I'm Marianne Nedbalik with Nedbalik Farm in Sinton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, a lot of hay balers are in cornfields this year. That's something you don't normally see, but it seems like every single cornfield I pass has hay balers running right behind the combines, bailing up those corn stalks. We'll talk more about that coming up to kick off today's show. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas A&M AgriLife has put out a report that analyzes how well different wheat varieties perform in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about the wheat variety picks list. A wrap-up of the August rainfall in Texas, and a look ahead at the forecast for the transitional month of September. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that report on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. You normally don't see hay balers in cornfields, but this year it has become an all-too-common sight. The drought has devastated most hay meadows in Texas and there is no hay to be found. So corn farmers are baling their corn stalks for cattle producers to have something to feed their cattle. Kent Wilmot has been running his baler in cornfields in northeast Texas. We uh, decided this year we, we kind of last resort, you know, we were running, running short on grass and had so many people asking for hay and we just didn't have anything to offer them. So this at least gives us, gives us something that we can offer to, uh, you know, as an option for them to feed their cows. Just trying to, trying to hunt down some forage. We're short on grass this year and, and having trouble, you know, fulfilling orders and just trying to give, give people an option to be able to keep their cows, keep them fed and, and not have to liquidate them like so many are having to do right now. And there's not a shortage of demand for corn stalks this year. Wilmot says he's been shipping them all over the state. We've had quite a few people reach out to us and come to the field and, and getting some, um, and we've been shipping quite a few out. We'll, we'll ship three or four trailers a day. We're going to uh, some of our regular customers that are closer by, and then we've got some going west and some going south. Um, just guys that we've sold to in the past that I know, I know out west they're hurting a little more than we are, and, and they're just trying to get anything they can get their hands on, so trying to send some down there to give them some relief. Wilmot says he's shipping corn stalks as much as 200 miles away. 
Texas cotton producers are visiting cotton farms in North Carolina this week as part of the National Cotton Council's Producer Information Exchange Program. One of those farmers is Leighton Schneiers from Wall, Texas. He says the program gives him a new perspective on cotton production practices. It's important to me just just for my farming practices to to learn and expand on them if I can if I can learn anything and do anything better on my farm or to actually help somebody else out from our farming practices that's that's the goal here. Schneiders says he appreciates BASF sponsoring the program and sharing their expertise on technology involved in cotton farming. One of the main things that I'm taking away here from BASF is all the technology that that goes into agriculture and their production of seed. We truly appreciate BASF for everything that they have done and given to us to, to make this possible. The Producer Information Exchange Program has been operating since 1989, with over 1,200 cotton producers getting to experience cotton production in areas different from their own. A new report compares how different wheat varieties perform on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt has more on the wheat variety picks list. Harold Artho is a Randall County farmer who is gearing up for another wheat season while hoping he'll get enough rain in time for planting. I normally like to plant the end of September, the 1st of October. I have planted into December before. The yields weren't real good, but I had no choice that year. Waiting for more moisture has become a familiar frustration for area farmers this year. And at the Extension Service's recent Randall County Ag Day in Canyon, Artho told me drought took a heavy toll on his wheat crop this past season. I had over 100 acres I couldn't harvest because the test weight was too low. Nobody would take it, so I had to leave it. And uh, that's one reason I'm here today, to figure out what variety of wheat stands up to drought condition. And at the Extension event, farmers were able to hear Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell give a presentation on what AgriLife research shows to be the best-performing wheat varieties for our region. Dr. Bell says, along with looking for varieties that can grow well in our dry climate, other criteria for the varieties that make the AgriLife picks list include disease and insect tolerance, standability, and baking quality. Usually we're looking at about six to eight varieties that we really narrow down our variety trial data to as probably the key varieties that would fit the criteria that we're looking at. If you would like to see the AgriLife report on wheat varieties for our region, you can search for it online using the words Grain Variety Picks for Texas High Plains 2022-2023, but also maybe be prepared to do some shopping around because... There is a seed shortage across the Texas Panhandle, but really the whole Southern Great Plains. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Last month brought a welcome change to the weather here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at our August weather and what we can expect for September. We go to National Weather Service meteorologist in charge, Tom Bradshaw in Fort Worth. And Tom, let's recap that August weather pattern in Texas. Finally, some rain and some cooler temperatures. It was kind of feast or famine for folks in Texas in August. Normally, we don't see a whole lot of rain anywhere in the state of Texas in August. It tends to be one of the driest months of the year, but we really got inundated across a good part of north central, northeast, southeast Texas, as well as the deep south part of the 
Lone Star State. Uh, we had anywhere from five to 10 inches for the month of August across good parts of uh, the state of Texas. Unfortunately, across the central and west central panhandle region was actually quite dry. What made the news in the middle of August was a massive flooding event in Dallas. Absolutely, yeah. We had a front that came down and stalled over us right along the uh, I-20 corridor, essentially. And so a good part of the Metroplex and, and other areas of northeast Texas experienced a very significant flash flooding. Again, quite unusual for August. What does September look like temperature and precipitation-wise? Well, as we know, September starts to be kind of a transitional month for the state of Texas. We start getting into fall, so temperatures start to cooling off into the 80s predominantly, uh, even, even some upper 70s in the far north towards the end of the month. Rainfall-wise, we still have a La Nina pattern over us, which tends to be a dry pattern, but it actually looks like for the month of September that we might get some rainfall across parts of the state. So kind of the equal chances of uh, either above or below normal rainfall. It's a lot of the state still needs it. It's still a lot of the state that's in a significant drought. And September is the peak of the tropical season, Tom. Yeah, it certainly is. Tom, what are you uh, seeing as far as uh, the hurricane and tropics uh, even at this point? It's been kind of quiet so far this season. There's only been three named storms as of the first part of September. September is the peak uh, of the hurricane season, and things still stay active on into October and even early November as well. The official forecast still calls for 14 to 20 named storms, including 6 to 10 hurricanes, and at least some of those could be in the Gulf of Mexico. We still expect to have a relatively active season. It's just kind of getting late, getting started. Many people are wondering why has this tropical season, hurricane season, been so quiet this year, Tom? Well, that's a really good question, and I'm not sure that experts actually know the complete answer. Now, one possible factor is there's been quite a bit of Saharan dust that's blown off of the Sahara Desert of Africa out into the Atlantic, and that tended to inhibit storm formation, at least through the first half of the season. There's some signs that that's kind of uh, letting up at this point. We still expect storms to eventually start forming out in the Atlantic and in the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean and to eventually affect the uh, U.S. mainland. So people in Texas and other Gulf states still need to be prepared with our hurricane kits and evacuation plans? Absolutely. Folks still need to stay very vigilant, need to stay on guard. You mentioned hurricane kit, making sure you have good sources of information to stay up with storms and possible evacuations. All the things that you get ready for back in May and June when the season begins, those are the things you still need to be prepared for uh, as we work our way through the peak part of the season. That again is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The state has reached its allotted poundage for red snapper in federal waters. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more on what that means for Texas anglers coming up on Texas Ag Today. And testing your cattle's hay is always important, but that's especially so this year. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. 
We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It's always important to test your hay for nutrient value, but Dr. Bob Judd says it is especially important this year with the massive shortage of hay. Due to the drought in Texas, hay is hard to find and some folks are having to feed any hay they can get to their cattle. We have lots of folks in our area baling corn stalks after the corn has been harvested. And although it is a good filler for the cows, the nutrition is questionable. Even the normal hay that is baled is of questionable quality due to the lack of rain, so testing the hay is important before buying and feeding it. Now you may be wondering why even test the hay if that is all that's available. To explain this, I always remember a 2,000 head stalker operation that I worked with over 30 years ago. The owners had large amounts of hay stored and were feeding it to the cattle, and they were eating it well and looked to have their bellies full, although they were not gaining weight. The calves began dying at a rate of one or two per day, but the rancher continued losing calves every day. I examined the calves, and there did not appear to be any disease causing the deaths, but there was a noticeable lack of fat in the animals on the necropsy exam. I sent samples to Texas A&M Diagnostic Lab, and they confirmed that basically these calves were starving to death with full bellies. So it is possible you could be buying hay this year that although may satisfy the cow's appetite, may not be nutritionally adequate to maintain the cows. It is very inexpensive to have a hay analysis performed, and if you have round bales, all you need is a hay probe. The probe needs to be inserted in the center of the bale 18 inches deep and take samples from at least 20 different bales for analysis. Also, testing for nitrates would be a good idea as well. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Our state has reached its allotted poundage for red snapper in federal waters. Jessica Domel tells what that means for Texas anglers in today's wildlife report. The private recreational red snapper season for anglers in federal waters has come to a close. The season opened June 1st and closed at 12.01 a.m. on Friday, September 2nd. Under an agreement with the National Marine Fisheries Service, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department can establish the opening and closing of the red snapper fishery in federal waters off of the Texas coast. The state is tasked with closing the season when the state's allotted poundage of red snapper has been caught. PWD uses a combination of data to determine when the fishery should close, including information from creel surveys, historical landings, and reports from the iSnapper app. Bill Kinney, director of CCA Texas Star Fishing Tournament, told me when we were discussing the tournament that the season was open a bit longer than normal this year. Normally, we only get about a month and a half max this year. They kept it open to almost three months. And, and normally it's a month, a month and a half. That is more a reflection of all that June wind. You know, the offshore anglers couldn't get out and go after them. And so, therefore, the total allowable catch, the uh, poundage that was weighed in, did not meet the criteria for the Gulf of Mexico Fishery Management Councils to shut it down. That was Bill Kinney from CCA Texas Star Tournament. That tournament remains open through Monday, which is Labor Day. 
Anglers can still catch up to four red snapper per day in state waters so long as the fish meet the 15-inch minimum length limit. Again, red snapper fishing in federal waters closed, open in state waters. Additional details are available on the Outdoor Annual app and outdooranual.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market ended the week on a higher note Friday, but cotton got hammered again. Limit down for the second day in a row. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas A&M Forest Service is helping to protect lives, property, and livelihoods from wildfire. Dangerous wildfire weather conditions in the state can look like just any other day. Hot, dry, and windy. But a specific mix of weather factors can be conducive to a devastating wildfire outbreak. Learn what to look for. Listen to officials. Evacuate early. Your actions could help save your life, property, and livelihood. For more information on wildfire weather warnings, visit dicc.tamu.edu. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market ended the week Friday on a strong note with triple-digit gains in the live cattle trade. October live cattle up $1.75, $144.55. December up $1.67 at $150.25. February live cattle up $1.22 at $154.37. We also saw gains in the feeder cattle market. September feeders up $0.72, cents, $183.87. October feeders up 60 at $184.95. November feeder cattle up $0.55, cents, $186.25. Cash-fed cattle market dropped a dollar over the past week. We saw most of our sales here in the south at $141. Up north, live sales were 143 to 145, both of those a dollar lower compared to last week's averages. Boxed beef was higher on Friday, choice up a dollar ninety, two fifty-nine ninety-seven, select up a dollar seventy-two at two thirty-eight thirty-one. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Carl Herman sold cattle in Caldwell at Caldwell Livestock Commission Company on Wednesday. Carl, how did the sale go? Uh, we had a good sale yesterday. Uh, Larry uh, had over 500 head, which I thought was pretty good considering we got four inches of rain on Tuesday. Uh, on a steady cow market and calf market, uh, uh, we had 68 sellers and 41 buyers. Uh, we had over 100 cows and bulls yesterday. Slaughter cows 30 to 88. Slaughter bulls 75 to 118. Stockard cows 650 to 1200. And no pair. On the uh, calf side, on the steers, two to three weight steers, 150 to 175. Three to four weights brought 150 to 207. Four to five weights, 155 to 217. Five to six weight steers, 160 to 205. Six to seven weights brought 140 to 173. And the seven to eight weights, 140 to 152. Uh, going over to the heifers, two to three weights, 140 to 180. Three to four weight heifers brought 160 to $2. Four to five weight heifers, 150 to 195. Five to six weights, 140 to 181. The six to seven weight heifers brought 120 to 160, and we didn't have any seven to eight weight heifers yesterday. So uh, overall, we had a good sale. Uh, glad we had over 500 yesterday, uh, a little more than I expected. And uh, 
the grass is growing, getting green, and, and uh, everything looks pretty good. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Okay, my number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn, 567-4119. If you're in the Giddings area, call uh, Max Ebner at 540-8676. We appreciate you, Carl Herman. Thank you, and we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Thank you, Larry. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Neighbor, thanks so much for listening to Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs ended sharply lower on Friday. October hogs down $1.92 at 902. December hogs down $1.7, 8270. Class three milk was higher. September milk up 23 cents, 1982 a hundredweight, while October milk was up 44 at 1996. Another day of limit down moves in the cotton market. Several factors weighing heavy on this market. We've got the strongest U.S. dollar that we've seen in a couple of decades, and of course that hampers exports. Also, the additional Chinese COVID-19 lockdowns weighing on the market. It's estimated that some 40 million people are locked down in China, only allowed to buy essentials, And they're definitely not out buying any apparel. So that weighed on prices with a limit down move on the December. It was down 500 points, 103.21. March cotton down 500 as well, closing at $1.14. The corn and wheat markets gained back some of the losses they took on Thursday. We ended up higher in corn and wheat with September corn up 10 and 3 quarters, 669. December corn up 7 and 3 quarters, 665 and 3 quarters. Same story on hard and soft wheat. September Kansas City wheat up 8 cents, 871 and a half. New crop July up 12 and a quarter, 868 and 3 quarters. September Chicago wheat up 17 and a half, 793. New crop July up 15 and a half at 838 and a half. In the energy markets, October natural gas down 42 cents at 883. October crude oil up 12, 86.73 a barrel. The financial markets dropped lower Friday afternoon. The Dow down 412 points, 31,243. The NASDAQ down 192 at 11,589. The S&P down 53 at 3,912. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.